Good evening, thinkers. Uh, welcome to Thinking Out Loud podcast, Thinking Out Loud, Shaping Your Destiny. And uh, this episode is the first of the seventh season. Uh, we are now at season number seven, a very significant number. Um, and in this season, we are going to look at biblical manhood and womanhood, or ma- masculinity and femininity from a biblical point of view. Now, as we did mention that it's from a biblical point of view, so we are going to base our discussion, we are going to base um, our ideas and our thoughts and how we express them on the Bible. That's what we are going to use as um, our workbook and as the foundation of our philosophy in this discussion. Now, when the Bible teaches that men and women fulfill different roles in relation to each other, uh, charging men with um, a unique leadership role, it bases this differentiation not on temporary cultural norms, but on permanent facts of creation. Now, this is seen in the book of First Corinthians, chapter eleven, um, verse three to verse sixteen. You know, especially verse eight to verse nine, and then verse fourteen as well. And also another book that comes to mind is Ephesians chapter five, uh, verse twenty-one to verse thirty-three especially verse 31 and 32 as well as first timothy chapter 2 verse 11 to verse 14 and especially verse 13 to verse 14 so those are the texts that bring this clearly out and in the bible um differentiated rules uh for men and women are never traced back to the fall of man and woman into sin no rather the foundation of this differentiation is tracked back to the way things were in eden before sin um, corrupted our relationships, before sin was introduced on planet Earth. And these uh, differentiated roles were corrupted, not created by the fall. They were created by God, but corrupted by the fall. So what we are trying to do is go back to how things were and see them for what they really are, as how God created them. So that is the purpose of this discussion. And in this um, section, we are actually going to you know, deal with uh, masculinity. Of course, it's too long. We cannot deal with it in one discussion. Uh, this is why it is part one. And now let's look at, before we actually go into masculinity, let's look at the big picture, uh, masculinity and femininity. We'll talk about femininity at a later stage, but now we just want to make an introduction to these two concepts, um, these two genders and uh, the roles that uh, come from these two genders or that before these two genders 
at the heart of mature masculinity is a sense of benevolent responsibility to lead, provide for, and protect women in ways appropriate to a man's differing relationships. That is a classical or a simple definition of masculinity. Let me repeat that. At the heart of mature masculinity is a sense of benevolent responsibility to lead, number one, provide for, number two, and protect, number three, women in ways appropriate to a man's differing relationships. So that's masculinity. Now let's get to femininity. At the heart of mature femininity is a freeing disposition to affirm, number one, receive, number two, and a nature strength, number three, and leadership from wealthy men in ways appropriate to a woman's different relationships. So that's, these are basically simple um, ways of defining masculinity and femininity. Now let's get to the definition and meaning of masculinity. The first phrase says, at the heart of, you know, that's what we want to focus on for now. At the heart of mature masculinity is a sense of benevolent responsibility to lead, provide for and protect women in ways appropriate to a man's different relationships. Now there's more, more to masculinity, um, but there's not less. I mean, therefore, this definition is not exhaustive. So that's why we focus on the fact that at the heart of it, you know, the, the, the core part of masculinity, it's about um, having a benevolent responsibility to lead this leadership, benevolent leadership, uh, pro, 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 providing and protecting women, women, women in ways appropriate to a man's differing relationships. So now that we have dealt with the core part of masculinity, and you look at the definition. Now let's parambulate to the type of masculinity that we are talking about here. It's a mature masculinity. Remember that at the heart of mature masculinity is a sense of benevolent responsibility to lead, provide for and protect women in ways appropriate to a man's different relationships. I mean, a man may say I'm a man and I do not feel this sense of responsibility that you say makes me masculine. Someone may say that, a man may say that. He may feel strong and um, you know, sexually competent and forceful and rational. But if he does not feel a sense of benevolent responsibility toward women um, to lead, provide and protect, his masculinity is immature. It is incomplete and perhaps distorted, even toxic. Mature means that a man's sense of responsibility is in the process of growing out of his sinful distortions and limitations and finding its true nature as a form of love, not a form of self-assertion. So that is what you need to understand by mature. Mature masculinity means that a man's sense of responsibility is in the process of growing out of its sinful distortions and limitations and when it grows out of its sinful distortions and limitations it finds its true nature as a form of love not a form of self-assertion
we'll talk about love at a little stage how love operates and um what love looks like so that's those are the first two phrases that we dealt with ever had and then mature masculinity now let's look at um, another phrase um, which is a sense of benevolent responsibility now let's look at that phrase sense or the word sense let, let me repeat the definition again at, at the heart of mature masculinity is a sense of benevolent responsibility to lead then of course the other things that follow but i want us to focus on that so to be masculine a man must not only be responsible but sense or feel that he is if he does not sense or feel and affirm his responsibility he is not mature in his masculinity now this sense need not be actualized directly in order to qualify for mature masculinity what do you mean by that i mean his sense of responsibility will affect how he talks about women and the way he relates to pornography and the kind of concern he shows for the marriages of the men around him so that actually tells whether he is res really responsible or not i mean that will tell whether he senses or he feels or he can actually recognize his responsibility why, why do i mention uh, these things uh, the way he talks about women i mean if he if he when he talks about women it's in a derogatory manner it shows that he's immature if he watches pornography which is by and large the exploitation of women then he is immature if he's not concerned he does not respect marriages of men around him he's immature in his masculinity so it is in that sense that uh, those aspects uh, define or gauge the responsibility and the, the maturity of um, the said male or masculine being his sense of responsibility will also find expression in the ways he conquers self-pity and gives moral and spiritual leadership for his family and takes the initiative to provide them with the bread of life and protects them from the greatest enemies of all that is satan and sin that will also be a way in which his sense of responsibility is expressed and the responsibility of manhood is basically for the good of woman that is why it has to be benevolent the responsibility of manhood is for the good of woman benevolent responsibility is meant to rule out all self-aggrandizing authoritarianism all self uh, puffing um, all kind of tyranny is addressed by benevolent responsibility it's, it's ruled out by benevolent responsibility it, it is meant to rule all disdaining condescension uh, condescension rather in any act that makes a mature woman feel patronized rather than honored and respected 
honor them prize still a sin do um in the sense of uh price in the sense of being protected and the word benevolent is meant to signal that mature masculinity gives appropriate expression to the golden rule in male female relationships do unto others as you would like them to do unto you basically and that's what Matthew um, 7 verse 12 says so you consider the other person and uh, masculinity is a god-given trust for the good of all his creatures not a right for men to exercise for their own selfish or well, self-exaltation or ego satisfaction it is a less prerogative than a calling it is less a prerogative than a calling so therefore masculinity is a calling being a man is a calling it's not just about the biology but it's also a calling god making you a man by virtue of making you a man that was a calling you are called not only created you are called to be a man and uh, it is a duty and obligation and charge like all god's requirements it is not meant to be onerous or burdensome you know Ephesians 5 verse 3 tells us that God's commandments are not burdensome. But it, it, it doesn't mean that there's no burden to be born. I mean, it's a burden to be born. And with, with Christ, it can be born rightly. I mean, Matthew chapter 11 verse 8, Christ tells us that, you know, his yoke is easy. So masculinity is a calling. And for us to be proper um, males in the society in order for us to have true masculinity we need to have Christ we need to have Christ he, he is the one who actually help us to bear the, the burden um, well and, and lightly and the word responsibility implies that men will be uniquely called to account for his leadership his provision and protection in relation to women Remember that masculinity is a calling. At the heart of true of mature masculinity is a sense of benevolent responsibility to lead, provide for, and protect women in ways appropriate to a man's differing relationships. So this word responsibility implies that men will be uniquely called to account for his leadership, for his provision and protection in relation to women. Now, this is illustrated in Genesis 3 verse 9, where God says to Adam, speaking to him first, where are you? He's not asking the woman, he's asking Adam, Adam, where are you? Eve had seen first and look at the story, but God does not seek her out first. Adam must give the first account to God for the moral life of the family in Eden. That is what you see right there in the Garden of Eden. And this doesn't mean that the woman has no responsibility. It simply means that man bears a unique primary responsibility because she does have a responsibility. But the one who bears the unique primary responsibility is the man. So we see this clearly in the scriptures. And what is this sense of benevolent responsibility um, covering? It, it, it covers uh, leadership. It covers 
providing provision as well as protection now what you'll do is we'll just talk about leadership now a responsibility to lead and then uh, we'll talk about providing and protection um, some other time so mature masculinity expresses itself not in the demand to be saved but in the strength to serve and to sacrifice for the good of woman just like christ gave himself to the church or for the church you know he loved the church and gave himself for it sacrificed himself for it and in ephesians 5 you see that the man is called to imitate christ in how he relates to his wife just as much as christ relates to the church what christ did for the church on behalf of the church for the benefit of the church the man is supposed to do for the benefit of his wife in principle so leadership is not a demanding demeanor it is moving things forward toward a goal and if the goal is holiness and heaven the leading will have the holy aroma of heaven about it the demeanor of christ and jesus led his bride to holiness and heaven on the calvary road he looked weak but he was infinitely strong in saying no to the way of the world so what does this mean if we follow true biblical masculinity and we operate according to that the world may regard that as being weak but that's how christ looked like he looked like he was weak when he sacrificed himself for the benefit of the church in on behalf of the sinners so from someone who does not understand that would be seen as weakness but to those who understand you understand that no actually this shows strength this shows strength because you are saying no to the way of the world to the methods to the philosophy of the world in how you relate to women so then again and again it will be for mature men as they take up the responsibility to lead they will be viewed as weak men because they're saying no to the way of the world and mature masculinity does not assume the authority of christ over the woman does doesn't do that but rather it advocates the authority of christ over the woman it does not take the place of christ it just affirms and advocates for the place of christ as a master over the woman the, the leadership implied in ephesians 5 verse 23 is not a leadership that gives to the man all the rights and authority that christ has no the authority between christ and the husband breaks down if pressed too far first because unlike christ all men sin Christ never has to apologize to his church but husbands must do this often apologize to their wives because they they sin they err in judgment moreover unlike Christ a husband is not preparing a bride merely for himself but for another preparing his wife for Christ he does not merely act as Christ but also he acts for Christ at this point he must not be the Christ to his wife lest he be a traitor to Christ 
Standing in the place of Christ must include a renunciation and of the temptation to be Christ. That is what befalls men. That you know, standing in the place of Christ, you must not be an anti-Christ. Don't try to be Christ to the wife. And that means that he's leading his wife forward to depend not on him but on Christ and practically that rules out belittling supervision and fastidious oversight. She also stands or falls before her own master, Christ Jesus himself. So um, that is what we see and that is what is implied in this. Another point is that mature masculinity does not presume superiority but mobilizes the strengths of others. It mobilizes the strengths of others. Now, no human leader is infallible. That has to be very, very clear. That has to be uh, as clear as crystal. Nor is any man superior to those he lead in every aspect. Those that you lead in every aspect, you're not superior to them. Therefore, a good leader will always take into account the ideas of those he leads and may often adopt those ideas as better than his own. That is leadership. This applies to husbands at home and elders in the church and all the other places where leadership is crucial. The aim of leadership is not to demonstrate the superiority of the leader, but to bring out all the strengths of people that will move them forward to the desired goal. In Ephesians 5, 28 and 29, the wife is pictured as part of the man's body, as the church is part of Christ's body. So in loving his wife, a man is loving himself. This rules out a leadership that treats a wife like a child. It truly uh, you know, does away with that kind of leadership. Moreover, Christ does not lead the church as his daughter, but as his wife. He's preparing her to be a fellow heir, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Not a servant girl. Any kind of leadership that in the name of Christ-like headship tends to produce a inner wife personal immaturity or spiritual weakness or insecurity through excessive control or picky supervision or oppressive domination has missed the point of the analogy of Ephesians chapter 5. Christ does not create that kind of wife in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. He doesn't. One more point. Um, mature masculinity does not have to initiate every action but feels the responsibility to provide a general pattern of initiative. Um, in a family, the husband does not do all the thinking and planning. Um, his leadership is to take responsibility in general to initiate and carry through the spiritual and moral planning for family life. A Christian man is obligated to lead his family to the best of his ability. Another point is that mature masculinity accepts the burden of final say in disagreements between husband and wife, but does not to presume to use it in every instance. I mean, in a good marriage, decision making is focused on the husband, but it's not unilateral. You know, it's it's not like a one-man decision. That's not how it is. He seeks input from his wife and even adopts some of her ideas. 
And this is implied in the love that governs relationship. In Ephesians 5, verse 25, in the equality of personhood implied in the created beings in the image of God, um, Genesis 1, verse 27, as well as in the status of being fellow heirs of grace of the grace of life, according to 1 Peter 3, verse 7. This unilateral decision-making is not usually a mark of good, good leadership. It generally comes from laziness or insecurity or inconsiderate regard, disregard. So, the unilateral decision-making is not a mark of good leadership. It simply means that a person is, cra is lazy, a person is insecure, or is inconsiderate. On the other hand, dependence on team input should well go to the point where the family perceives a weakness of indecision in the husband. And both husband and wife should agree on the principle that the husband's decision should rightly hold sway if it does not involve sin. However, this conviction does not mean that a husband will often use the prerogative of veto over the wishes of his wife or family. Um, his awareness of his sinfulness and imperfection will guard him from thinking that following Christ gives him the ability to um, or the ability of Christ to know what is best in every detail. Nevertheless, in a well-ordered biblical marriage, both husband and wife acknowledge in principle that if necessary in some disagreement, the husband will accept the burden of making the final decision. So that's um, another point there that we need to keep in mind. Another one is that mature masculinity express its, uh, expresses its leadership in romantic sexual relations by communicating an aura of strong and tender pursuit. It expresses um, its leadership in romantic sexual relations by communicating, number one, um, in what sense um, or in what way does it communicate? It communicates an aura of strong and tender pursuit. That's very key, strong and tender. It's more like things that uh, are diametrically opposite. It is the unique mingling of tenderness with strength that makes the unique masculine quality of leadership in sexual relations. I mean, by and large, um, man is larger and stronger. Um, so there is need for tenderness. Mature masculinity will not be reduced to raw desire in sexual relations. That is why we talked about pornography, because in pornography, you don't see this. It's, it's not like people, um, it's, it's, they are saving last. They are not, um, there's no consideration for the other person, especially the woman. It remains alert to the deeper personal needs of a woman and mingles strength and tenderness to make her joy complete. It's more about making the woman's joy complete. So it looks out for the woman, not to serve itself. And mature masculinity expresses itself in a family by taking the initiative in disciplining the children when both parents are present and the family standard has been broken. 
Now, no woman should have to take the initiative to set a disobedient child fight while her husband sits obliviously by as though nothing were at stake. Few things will help children understand the meaning of responsible, loving masculinity better than watching who takes the responsibility to set them right when mother and father are both present. So the discipline of the children, um, it should, under proper circumstances, be done by the father. It should be done by the male in the house. Now let's look at another one. Um, mature masculinity is sensitive to cultural expressions of masculinity and adapts to them where no sin is involved that has to be underlined where sin is not involved then mature masculinity will be sensitive to cultural expressions of masculinity and it will adapt to them in order to communicate to a woman that a man would like to relate not in any aggressive or perverted way but with maturity and dignity as a man now this would mean uh, dressing in ways that are neither effeminate nor harsh and aggressive it would mean learning manners and customs mature masculinity recognizes the pervasive implications of manhood and womanhood and seeks to preserve the patterns of interaction that give free and natural expression to that reality Another aspect is that mature masculinity recognizes that the call to leadership is a call to repentance and humility and risk-taking. A call to leadership is a call to repentance and humility and risk-taking. Masculinity and femininity have been distorted by our sin. Um, taking up the responsibility to lead must therefore be a careful and humble task. Now, let me repeat that again. Um, mature masculinity recognizes that the call to leadership is a call to repentance and humility and risk taking. Uh, we have to recognize that both masculinity and femininity have been distorted by our sin. Um, for taking up the responsibility, to, the responsibility to lead must therefore be a careful and humble task. Um, it needs that one need to repent because they've been distorted and marred by sin. Um, those two aspects of our being um, as humanity, masculinity and femininity. You must admit as men that historically there have been grave abuses um, as far as this work is concerned or as far as our responsibility is concerned. There have been grave um, abuses. In each of our lives, we have ample cause for contrition at our passivity or our domination. So um, we have been passive. Sometimes we have been too, dominate, too domineering. Um, each one of us at some point in our lives, we have um, experienced that. We have um, uh, suffered that. And we should humble ourselves before God for our failures and for the remaining tendency to shake or overstep our responsibilities. So we need to humble ourselves so that God can help us not to shrink away from our responsibility or to overstep our responsibilities. Now the call to leadership is not a call to exalt ourselves over any woman. 
it's not a call to domineer or belittle or to put a woman in her place as it were she is after all a fellow heir of god the call to leadership is a call to humble oneself and take the responsibility to be a servant leader in ways that are appropriate to every different relationship to women it is a call to pray as you have never prayed before to be constantly in the word to be more given to planning more intentional more thoughtful less created alone by the mood of the moment to be disciplined and ordered in our lives to be tender-hearted and more thoughtful um, and sensitive to take the initiative to make sure there is a time and a place to talk to a woman about her needs um, to be uh, and, and to be ready to lay down our lives the way Christ did if that is necessary so that is what a leadership is all about the call to leadership that is what it is all about and you need to um, take that up seriously this is why um, this is why uh, we are actually using the Bible as a basis for this discussion so in summary masculinity is a calling and masculinity a mature masculinity is benevolent in its nature and in its benevolence it senses a responsibility to lead to provide for and protect women in ways appropriate to a man's different relationships with um, women i mean the way you relate with your mother as a man the way you relate with your wife the way you relate with your female friends how you carry out all these three things providing for the, or lead, leading them provide leadership provision and, and protection it will differ because you relate with them in a different level the other one is your wife the way you uh, deal with your wife is going to be different from the way you deal with your female friends by and large because of the kind of relationships that you are you are in with them i mean your wife is the most intimate person that you have as a husband as a brother that's the most intimate relationship that you can ever have um that's with your wife but with your mother is different with um your sister is different uh, with your other females in your life it's different so in our next episode we'll be actually looking at um the part where it says that um the man our mature masculinity is a sense of benevolent responsibility to provide for women in ways appropriate to a man's differing relationships that is what we'll be looking at in our next episode thank you friends for joining us thank you for listening thank you for being part of this discussion this uh, podcast this platform uh, may god bless you and i hope that um, what we are sharing becomes useful not only to you but to others that you interact with as you apply the principles as you apply what we are learning from uh, these um, discussions adios see you again next time on monday next week same time same place
手。